So it looks like we have six. Let me just double check. So we have Kay, Ben, Jackie, Kira, Sarah, Allison. And um, Makokwa. I haven't heard back from her, but um, she said that she was going to attend. So, Kira, are you in a position to lead the meeting? I will walk you through it. If you're talking, you are muted. I think Kira may have had some trouble at our last um, yeah. subcommittee meeting as well okay. on being able to use her voice chat through Zoom. For some okay. Yeah, she said her computer keeps crashing, so she, she's working on it. Um, Kay, would you be willing to step in for now and then pass it uh, as things get more stable? Sure. Okay. Let me get the um, agenda up because I was, I'm down to one screen when I'm working remote. And so I'm trying to. Here, I'll share the screen and then. Oh, great. That's fantastic. That helps me. Let me see. So yes, I'll oh, be glad please. to open the meeting. Is Sorry. Kira there? Sorry, my, it says I'm paused screening. I don't know why. Oh, maybe because I moved that. Yeah, me too. There we go. Okay. Okay, so can you go up just a little bit more on the agenda? Call to order is the first piece. Right. I was just um, going to see how exactly you had it. Oh, okay. on the oh like this. Agenda. This type of up. Yeah, yeah. It's the very beginning. Just move it just a little bit up. Like this or the other way? No, no, the other way. Here we go. This way? Yep. That's all I needed. So I was. I will open the um, Sustainability Advisory Board meeting of July 14th. And Jasmine, you've determined that we have a quorum. Yes. Um, it's, um, and now you can talk about our virtual meeting procedures. Great. So Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director, uh, this meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on our YouTube channel and public access channel. Um, so it's available for viewing that way. Uh, because this is a virtual meeting, I just wanted to uh, share some reminders about participation. So for board members, if you're able, uh, please uh, enable uh, turn on your camera so that we can see your your, you are present. Um, I know we have a couple people joining via phone or um, um, don't have a camera ready, so just uh, that's okay. Just if you're able to um, have your camera on, that's helpful. Um, just a reminder to uh, state your name before any comments, so that way uh, anybody that's just listening to the audio can track who is saying what. And then uh, also, if there's a motion made, then uh, to take roll call on um, any uh, support or uh, opposition for that uh, by name so that we can track that as well. Um, I will uh, uh, 
I do have the option of muting people if the background noise um, in your location gets too distracting. Uh, I may mute you, um, and then you can unmute when you're you're ready to to share again. Um, so I think that is it for virtual meeting procedures. Okay, great. And my name is Kay Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. Um, I'll be acting as the chair until someone else comes in. Um, so we need to approve, um, review and approve the May 2021 uh, minutes. We did not have a quorum at our June meeting. So um, these are the May 2021 minutes. So do I have a motion to approve the minutes? This is Sarah Chenoweth. I make a motion to approve the minutes. All right, is there a second? This is Allison Coons, I second it. All right, great, we'll need a vote. So all those in favor say aye, or raise your hand, or <laughs> put it in the chat. Aye. And we do need a, a roll call vote, okay? Okay, so um, Jackie? Hope you're on mute. Aye. Thank you. Sarah? Aye. Ben? Aye. Allison? Aye. And I guess Kira, if Kira can hear. Don't know that she can. Kira, if you're able, you can add your um, vote in the chat as well and that will come to me and I will announce it. This is Jasmine. Or you can text it to me. Okay, I, do you, uh, Kira, do you support um, the minutes being approved? Yes, okay, Kira says yes. Okay, okay, great. So the minutes are approved as voted on. Um, we'll move into the agenda items. Um, I guess there's um, a discussion about hybrid meetings. So Jasmine, do you have comments about that? Yes, so um, I added some detail in the agenda itself. Uh, the um, City of Lawrence is starting to move its City Commission meetings and has the option of moving Advisory Board meetings to a hybrid format. And so uh, I wanted to just share that with you all um, and see if, um, see what direction you all wanted to, to go. Um, the current city commission meeting room, are, the layout is not conducive to 10 members, which you all have. Um, it's conducive to about five. So um, the options moving forward are to have, if some people do want to attend in person, that is an option for you, uh, but it would require that some people still continue to attend remotely. Um, some boards are discussing, you know, alternating who's there uh, on a monthly basis in person versus remotely, and some other boards are choosing to just stick with remote because it seems to be working fine. So uh, I wanted to um, share that that's a shift from the last time we met um, in June and see if there are questions that I can help answer or any concerns um, and just give you all a, a chance to discuss how you might want to move forward uh, for the August meeting or any future meetings for the rest of the year. So do you want us to discuss this now? Yes, that would be helpful just so that we, we have some direction for August. As far as I'm concerned, um, 
remote is fine with me for now. I could attend in person if I needed to, but it's just easier for me to do it remote. What about the rest of you, Jackie? Oh, sorry. This is Sarah Chenoweth. Um, I'm, I'm completely flexible. Um, I, I kind of like to be in person just because I would love to meet all of you. Um, but if other people have needs that they, you know, technology needs they need to be in there, I can be remote. So this is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. I just wanted to know, uh, Makakwa just joined. And just to bring you up to speed, we're in... Um, in the process of talking about hybrid meetings and whether this board wants to continue to meet all virtually or some people uh, meet in person in the city commission room, but the city commission room just doesn't have the capacity for everybody to meet um, here at the same time. So uh, I also wanted to share that Kira um, put in the chat to me that uh, you know she she's has some computer challenges, so she would she would love to meet in person or attend in person. This, this is Mark Allison, and I would be happy to um, do remote if that helps our numbers to kind of have a little bit of both. I like the remote option and can do that. This is Mothelpaw. I like that idea. Um, I think that um, giving people that option can hopefully increase our participation. Um, I would like to meet in person, um, although. I may not always be able to meet in person, but that's something that I would prefer. Um, but I do endorse that decision. So um, however we can make that happen would be great. Uh, what about you, Ben? Uh, I'm comfortable either way. I, I would be fine to meet in person as well. Um, just for clarity, sorry, this has been psych board member. Uh, Jasmine, for clarity, you're talking only about the board. So uh, public would still not be uh, since we have limited space in there already. So this is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Um, the, there is room for public to attend, uh, and because th there's a, um, they would come and speak at the podium, and so there's room for, I'm counting chairs now, six members of the public right now um, if they wanted to attend, and then they come one by one up to the podium to participate. Um, for the board members themselves were uh, trying to accommodate so that each of you would have a station, you would have a camera on you so that uh, those that are participating remotely can see you and, and interact with you um, in, in a meaningful way. Um, so, so far I heard that Allison is willing to stay remote, uh, Kay prefers remote, Makakwa, Kira, and Sarah would prefer in person, Ben is good either way. Um, so if Ben uh, would attend in person, that's still only four members in person, and we, we have room to accommodate five. So, um, so it's... I could occasionally attend in person. I do agree that we s seem to get more sharing done in person. Obviously, I was able to participate in person uh, before COVID and know that the meetings did change a little bit. We, we It's harder remote. So I'll, I'd be glad to do. However, it's it seems like the best thing for us to do is find a, a venue that could handle all of our board at the same time. And 
I don't know if the city has that available or not. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Um, we are working on it uh, because we see that this is really the path that we need to be going for future meetings uh, because it does allow people to participate in a different way um, and it increases accessibility uh, for some folks as well. So um, currently, this is the only uh, setup that we have, but we do recognize that we're, mo we're moving in that direction and looking at other facilities to help accommodate for a larger group. Okay, so uh, so it sounds like um, uh, 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 several folks are open to meeting in person for the August meeting. Uh, so this space is available for you and um, nothing special that you need to do. You can just show up. We're at the city commission room, which is different than where some of you met before. We were in the Parks and Rec uh, building. So now um, for next month, just... Um, a reminder that you will be coming to City Hall, which is right at 6th and Mass Street. So it seems we should probably have um, people select so that if one person that doesn't normally attend, they'll know how many are already committed to attending. Seems like we need to do something as far as um, you know, reserving a space or mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know what the best way to do it, but uh, maybe um, some others would attend in person if there were vacancies. Mm -hmm. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Um, I can see if I can figure out how to add that to the RSVP, uh, even um, since we'll, we'll be switching to that in person, we'll have to change up the RSVP anyway. So, so I'll work on that for August. Super, thank you. Um, this is Kay again. Uh, does Macaqua want to take over now? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Sorry about being so late. Take it away. I apologize. So what was, oh, is this just the agenda that we're looking at then? Yes, and Makokwa, I just put it up so that it was convenient for Kay to track what's happening. It, let me know if you want, to, you want me to keep sharing it or if you want me to close it out. No, it helps to okay. keep sharing it. Okay. So it looks like we are announcing that there's an open position for staff membership which is really sad. I hate to see Jackie go. <laughs> so that opening is really actually for Lily Mitchell, who uh, stepped down a couple months ago. Um, oh. And then I also just wanted to note that there are several terms expiring at the end of this year. And um, the, these terms are all eligible for reappointment. But I wanted to just um, give the, the open door to if if anybody who is not feels like like this is not the best use of their time or has some other priorities and needs to step or doesn't want to reapply then we want you to consider that um, start thinking about that now so that we can be prepared to fill those positions as quickly as possible uh, this fall so um, so that's and then uh, there's a link on the agenda for anybody who's interested in applying to serve on the board. Uh, you can fill that out, and the mayor makes recommendations for um, appointments. So this is do Kate we have Johnson. A, oh, go ahead. Um, so do we have a date 
that we need to apply for for the December expiring terms? It would be helpful if you would uh, express your interest um, by November at the latest. And that way we can get it on uh, a city commission agenda in December. Thank you. This is Maslapa. That's exactly what I was going to ask, that maybe we can list it somewhere on the website or um, in the next board meetings about the deadline, just to remind people. I mean, I'm horrible with deadlines, so I want to make sure that other people know well in advance. This is Jackie Carroll. Um, yeah, as Mako Kwa alluded to, I am planning on not being on the board for a whole lot longer. Um, I'm actually not sure if this will be my last meeting or if it will be next month. Ben and I are working on the weatherization grant program recommendation. Um, and so we'll probably have that ready next month. I'm just not sure yet if I'll be attending as a board member or as a member of the public slash subcommittee member. Um, so yeah, we'll have one more uh, position open. I believe my current term dis expires in December of next year. Um, so there will be there will be two openings at that point. This is Michael. That makes me sad, Jackie. <laughs> um, it's been a long time. I think I think that would have been my last eligibility. So I'm I'm, I'm only leaving out like a year and a half early. <laughs> Okay. Well, you've contributed a lot to the board and I appreciate all of your work. Um, you're definitely one of my mentors and I watched you early on on how to conduct meetings and get things done. So if this is your last meeting, I, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a long ride with lots of both disappointments and wins. So really, a really um, all around experience. Okay, so if you're interested in reappointing or getting applying for reappointment, um, make sure you let Jasmine know. Um, it seems like there's a lot of people up for reappointment. So um, you can determine later on how many open positions there are. Um, the last meeting we talked about um, having a letter template for the, um, the emission transition plan or the zero zero trans, the trans the transportation department <clears throat> and they want to keep they're trying to transition to a 100% electric bus fleet and that's something that um, the board has expressed many times that we would like to see happen um, especially in cutting down emissions so if we could vote on having this template that they could use each time that they apply for grants and would like our our support for that um, I think that would make it easier on the board. Um, is that something that we would be interested in? Is that, um, I'd like to open it up for comment. Um, Jasmine, do you have anything to add to that? This is Jasmine's ability director. Um, I totally dropped the ball on that because I was uh, so excited to um, hear that they got the grant without the, um, even before you all had the chance to, um, submit a letter of uh, support that I totally forgot that we had talked about doing a generic um, letter of support. So I did not include that on here, um, but you could uh, you could move forward with just saying this is. The, I mean, 
that that you would authorize um, the chair to sign a letter of support to anything related to electrifying the fleet. If you feel like you need specific language, I can prepare that and um, be ready next month. So apologies for, for not getting that ready. This is Makapot. Do they need specific language? I had planned on for them writing that up just because they know best what information they need included in there. And so they could send that to us and then we could read it and vote on it. But if they're not needing that um, support right away for the next meeting, that's something that, you know, I would, when we vote on that, I would like to see the language that they, that they use for their um, template and then to vote on that then so that we don't have any suggestions or anything else that mm -hmm. we have to vote on. Okay. Yeah, this is Jasmine. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Sorry, sorry again about um, not having that ready this month. This is Michael Vaughn, no worries. Um, I'm glad to hear that they got that grant and that you know we didn't hold anything up or, um, but any future support, I would like the staff board to be able to do, supply that support um, in the way that can. So moving on to subcommittee report, and it looks like we're gonna have a report out from the, um, the Noxious Bees group, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, this is Ben Sykes, um, that member. Actually, Jasmine, I may have spoken too soon. There might be value in me sharing my screen just so I can show people um, kind of the same thing that you're looking at. Okay, hold on, give me one moment. So um, the SAB Noxious Weed Committee or Weed Ordinance Subcommittee, uh, we've uh, created a few different names, um, has met a couple of times now. Um, the membership has expanded based on people that were interested. It includes um, um, myself, um, SAB member Sarah Chenoweth and SAB member uh, Kira McPherson. So we're the three SAB members that are on the, the subcommittee. We've also had a lot of interest from the public. And so, um, um, Michael Allman, Courtney Masterson, um, Karen Pagel Miners, and Terry Wilkie uh, all have joined in. Uh, we're at our last meeting um, focused on um, what is it about the weed ordinance that we believe uh, can be improved and what are some of the, the broader challenges that we're, we focused on. So the link was in the agenda, and I think I might be able to bring it up here. And Ben, you should be able to share your screen now. So this is the ordinance. Can everybody see that? Just the whole screen. Yes. This is just the ordinance that's linked in the agenda. Are you all able to see it or not yet? Yes. So, you know, this um, larger ordinance focuses on trees, like the broader chapter is focused on trees. Weed, weeds are just one um, short section of this. So, for example, there's large sections on um, 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 not emerald ash borer, but the L, Dutch elm disease. There's these large sections about trees on those kinds of things. Um, I'm actually surprised that there's not yet things on emerald ash borer as well. 
the two main areas that our subcommittee has focused on and um, has been trying to think about ways to revise are here in Article 3 in the weeds section. Um, we had, um, I think, good discussions about excessive growth and um, vegetation, but um, have really focused in on trying to um, outline two major changes. One is the list of weeds that are included here in Section F of 18-302. So um, um, Courtney Masterson and Michael Allman have really taken a leading role in creating the list of these plants. And then based on their expertise and looking up uh, information as well, has tried to come um, back with recommendations for whether or not these specific species should be listed. Um, there are species that are listed as noxious weeds for the state that we obviously can't change. Those are the same ones that are held at the county level, but the city actually goes quite a bit beyond that in many of the species that it lists. And so one of our um, localized tasks in refining the ordinance has been to look at the individual species. And so we hope our recommendation will be able to um, make a recommendation about changes to the specific weed list, including maybe some that might need to be added, um, but um, things like many that are considered native species and um, might have value to um, pollinators and other ecosystem services. That's one of the recommendations. Does anybody have any other? Uh, that's one of the, the foci for uh, a recommendation. Does anybody have any questions about that one? It's relatively straightforward, I think. This is Makaquat. Do y'all have that written up in like an ordinance form that, or yeah. could y'all get that written up in ordinance form that we could advise the city commission on passing? Yeah, thank you, Makaquat. This has been like, uh, so I, that's our goal is to write that out in ordinance form about exactly what changes we'd like to see in this language around those specific species. Um, and so we would, I, I'm hopeful that in the next couple of uh, meetings, we can bring a specific ordinance uh, a specific recommendation that has ordinance language um, around the weeds. The second um, element that we have is a little more complex. And for this update, I would really like to get more feedback from the broader board. Um, so I don't know if anybody else had any thoughts about these specific weeds or strong feelings about that element. So the second portion really focuses on um, an an exemption that's carved out here in 18-304 that's focused on um, uh, natural landscaping. So it's this C exemption. Um, and um, I think there was general consensus among um, the subcommittee members that um, first that applying for the natural landscaping exemption is, is relatively complex and um, isn't very user, uh, isn't very clear about how to do it but that also there's a broader consensus that we need to be um, encouraging uh, natural landscaping, resilient landscaping, um, rather than it simply being um, kind of an exemption to get away with um, having things that other people are designing as weeds. From a sustainability perspective, natural landscaping, native landscaping is gonna provide more ecosystem services. Um, many native landscaping elements are way more resilient to elements of climate change, including drought and other things. And so part of what I'd like 
I think our subcommittee would like feedback on from the broader SAB is whether or not um, this little carve out here for natural landscaping is adequate to kind of enunciate a uh, more holistic um, evaluation of landscaping um, elements for city ordinances. Does that make sense? That was a lot of words. This is, this is Oh, go ahead, Jackie. Uh, I agree. This should be the norm. I didn't even know that property owners should voluntarily register. Um, technically, I should be registered, um, but I, I didn't know that. And I agree. I, if you're going to encourage the behavior of something, you don't want to put barriers up to that. So um, I would definitely support not having a registration program for that and it just being the norm and being assumed. Hi, this is Kay Johnson, SAB board member. Uh, from a compliance perspective, you might, might want to consider how do you deal with the person that lets his tall grass and weeds grow tall and long before um, and, and calls it <laughs> Um, sustainable landscaping versus, um, you know, just not complying with the the tall grass ordinance. It is from a public health standpoint, you either want to have sustainable landscaping with appropriate xeriscaping uh, and other vegetation or the, the tall grass and weeds mode. And um, I believe there's a requirement that if the person doesn't mow at a certain height, then they get a violation. It is real important that you are able to distinguish between the two. Uh, from a from a municipal perspective, I can tell you, you've got to be able to discern what the situation is and not just try to intuitively understand it. I, I would just recommend that you include the codes enforcement folks in discussion of that. Um, you don't want it to make a complex um, situation, but you also want to make sure that there is a clear understanding of what each person's property is, because there are a lot of people that don't mow and they, they don't plant sustainable plants. They just don't mow. And you can have lots of varmints and mice and rats and all sorts of other things that cause that are vectors um, that can cause disease and illness. Um, and so those that needs to be considered. I would just strongly urge you to, to touch base with the code enforcement people. Yeah, this has been sucks. I really appreciate that comment, Kay. I did have a meeting with Brian Jimenez, who's the lead for the enforcement within the city and um, did get significant feedback that, you know, 90 to 95% of the calls that they go on are exactly that, are people that haven't mowed. Um, and some people, in fact, when the city's um, penalty for that was much lower, would just let the city mow their properties. They're basically vacant lots or they live out of town or something like that. Um, so I definitely think that is an element um, that we that we need built into the ordinance, that we do need an element of how do you distinguish between those two. I think it would be valuable if the ordinance itself was more clear about how to do that. 
and also that we have a complementary. I think there's general consensus within the subcommittee that there's no complementary element here that's encouraging people to do exactly. natural landscaping, right? So, uh, you know, I, Jackie, for example, what you said, we've seen them all over town, right? People have the little Monarch Watch pollinator stake in their yard or something like that. If you had applied for it and had those things, maybe then um, enforcement doesn't have to worry about that property if you've already been evaluated uh, or those kind of things. But um, having an easy, um, not just an easy process, but an encouraging process from the city to get people to, to invest in making more resilient lawns, not simply not cutting their lawn and then saying, well, look how resilient it is because I haven't cut it in a while. But I, I agree. And, and um, yeah, Brian Jimenez had, had quite a good feedback about what they actually do day to day and, and what kind of things they, they encounter. So I think we want uh, more feedback as well on that complimentary bit as well. I really do like the education. I think more people would invest time and energy and their resources into xeriscaping and uh, sustainable landscaping if they knew what they could do and what was uh, authorized by the city. I mean, a lot of times people just don't know for sure. Other people are not going to do a thing. They're barely going to get their lawn mode on a regular basis but but for those people that are interested there should be an avenue for them to have education about it this is Mothafla and I, I agree with um with what everybody's saying we should do away with the registration I think we should see more exemptions we should look at what you know because there are obviously reasons why there's noxious weed ordinances um and you know, invasive species, um, you know, there's some safety measures involved. So fully understanding that before we make our recommendation is really important. Um, but also I think that, you know, one of the things we face as a board in the city of Lawrence is we want to make uh, recommendations that, um, that are going to benefit the city of Lawrence, but are going to hold up so that we don't have, um, things like the county or state, um, making ordinances that overrule ours. And so all of that upfront work that we can do, I think will pay off in the end. So having conversations with the county, see if we can get their support as well. Um, I don't know whether that comes before or after we make our recommendation to the city commission, um, but I think it is the county that has, a, that has the noxious weed ordinance. Um, but once again, this is all education that we need to educate ourselves about. Um, as we make this recommendation to our city commission. Um, yeah, so I would encourage the subcommittee to do that and just help us as a broader board to understand, um, you know, how best we can make the recommendation that's going to benefit all parties and enforcement as well. This is Kate Johnson, sustainability advisory board member. It's also important to remember that this is a judicial, this can be a judicial situation. So you can actually be required to go to court um, if you don't comply with the rules. Also, it could be a takings uh, situation under the law. Um, the city cannot take your property and do things with it. So it's real important to understand there, there are points of law that um, perhaps the legal department should also explain to the subcommittee um, the ramifications of 
the weed ordinance. It, there, there is significant statewide um, court uh, legislation that has gone through. Um, I can tell you because I, I manage that in the city of Wichita. It is significant. And there is long history of uh, a court actions uh, regarding, <laughs> you can't believe it, but tall grass and weeds. So, um, you know, I just would strongly urge uh, you to discuss that with the legal department as well, because there are precedents and there are state laws regarding it, not just counting, but state. Yeah, thank you. very Thank you both very much. I mean, so on the weed side, on the noxious weed side, um, you guys are both absolutely right. I think we have done a little bit quite a bit of discussion and looking into it, right? That um, the state has a list of noxious weeds. We're not going to be able to list anything, like delist that within the city. And we don't have any intention to do that. Our list, uh, and the county uses that exact same noxious weed list for their um, coordinator on ag fields and things like that, right? Um, we're, the city goes well beyond that with a, a, a list that goes beyond that as well. And we're discussing what those specific ones are. I think what one thing, though, as well, that we kind of want guidance on is, is this the place where we have another element? It would be under a weed subsection that says, how do you promote native landscaping, right? How do you get people like we've been talking about right now? It's just a carve out as an exemption from the weed ordinance. We're not talking about changing that at all, but this is the only place that we know in the ordinance that's dealing with that landscaping aspect so far. So uh, you're absolutely right too, Kay. Some of the things that we talked about and that Brian Jimenez also brought up is like setbacks, right? You need specific setbacks from roads. You need lines of sight for traffic lanes, um, you know, height and things like that. I think people could be encouraged still to do native landscaping and sit within those things. Right now, it's also, at least our understanding is, you know, Jackie, perhaps the reason you haven't needed an exemption is because you haven't had anyone complain. So as soon as someone complains, that sets off that chain reaction of, uh, you know, the enforcement people coming out and looking, notifying you, uh, and then cutting it right away if it's above 12 inches if you don't have the exemption. So um, that's kind of a, a system as well where um, the burden of proof is on the, the landowner to make sure that they get these things if anyone complains at all um, about the height of them. So, um, yeah, anyways, I think that's an effective, uh, or that's a decent summary of what we've talked about as a subcommittee. But if others have things to chime in, I think I saw Kira had some stuff as well in the chat. So this is Makwakwa and um, a couple of things that, um, that a couple of thoughts that I had. One of them is um, this can get to be a really um, intense conversation because a noxious, you know, an invasive species in one place may not be an invasive species in another place. Um, and so it'd be really hard. Um, like, with, you know, it's great that we have, you know, the expertise of Courtney Masterson and a lot of other people to make those suggestions and then how best we can go about that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we shouldn't reinvent the wheel. If there's other um, counties or places that have gotten their ordinances passed, then maybe we can borrow some of that language. Um, and then, you know, hoping that the county can also 
use the same language um, at a county level. Um, secondly, for um, uh, equitability and inclusion, I'd really like to see some language about um, uh, Native peoples and how they can plant and cultivate their own Native species without fear of enforcement. Um, there are ways to write that into the language, and I think that would be appropriate to have that under the exemption portion of that. Um, just because you're talking about like specific plant species to specific cultures, and um, I don't think listing those out would be beneficial. But um, but that would you know I would like to see that um, written into the ordinance or the policy or whatever. Um, so those are just a couple of my thoughts. Um, but you know, however you guys want to come back and um, the type of language, then once we see that, then that's something that I think the board could probably vote on our next steps for that, based on y'all's suggestion. Uh, this has been, uh, thanks so much for that, Makakwa. Um, we, we, so the group that's trying to work on the um, natural landscaping exemption came to that same thing that you did uh, without me. I wasn't the one that was like, yeah, let's go look at other municipalities. And so we have a couple of examples, a um, couple from Johnson County and one from Colorado, I think, about that language. Um, I really appreciate your comment about equity. I think we've thought about that a lot as well for uh, also for um, renters versus owners, like how renters are impacted, which are disproportionately from, you know, um, are different than uh, in that way in how they might have to keep up their lawn. So we've been trying to think about, but I really like this um, element as well. So do you see, I could see um, the exemptions that you're talking about still fitting here under the weeds of what they could grow. If we're trying to create um, a recommendation that city commission could look at that would encourage people to do native landscaping or resilient landscaping, that's less to me like a exemption from weeds, right? I mean, it's, I guess it still would be, but it's more holistic than that, right? It's like actually trying to encourage them. Did, did, does anyone have strong opinions on if that should also go here and, or maybe the subsection changes to weeds and na native landscaping or something like that? Or I, I just don't have enough experience to know if you pull something like that out or if you, if you keep it um, where it is because that's where the language is now. This is Kate Johnson, SAB board member. From my experience, it's important to keep it in one area so that a person doesn't have to go looking in several different locations in the ordinances. It, it seems maybe it's a separate section under that ordinance, um, but I, I think that, and I can't speak for obviously the, the legal department for the city of Lawrence, but um, it's easier for a person to find something if it's all under under one section. If you have to go to different sections, it adds to the confusion. This There's is hard plenty of confusion. Uh, ben, have you guys uh, consulted with the local NRCS group? No, we have not yet. I think that would be really beneficial for your group to meet with and talk with. Um, you know, when I worked um, on water quality issues, 
the NRCS group, the more that they're involved and the more advisement, um, then the more they are apt to support you. And then having that support when we make that recommendation, um, I think could give some weight to to our recommendation to the city commission. And because they may be the ultimately people that they consult, you know, they, they consult with as a city commission. So earlier on, you know, getting them on board and getting their guidance on this would, would be really helpful, I think. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. I would just also add that um, I wouldn't t worry too much about uh, where it goes in the code and and um, because ultimately your recommendation to the city commission is going to initiate a text amendment. And, you know, um, it, I think it's helpful that you will have thought through everything and have that draft language ready, um, but it will it will have to go through legal. It'll it'll have to be vetted um, through that process. So um, I wouldn't spend too much time on like trying to figure out where it should go in the code, but just focus your time on the content that you think is most important. Jasmine, should we open this up to like, are there any public commenters that wanted to comment on this um, or give any feedback to the noxious weed ordinance? There are just a couple people that are not board members on the call, so, uh, or on the, on the Zoom. So if, uh, oh, yep, Michael, you have your hand up. So Michael Allman. Hi, everybody. Michael Allman. Um, Thank you, Ben. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the people participating in the committee to rewrite this ordinance. So um, yeah, thanks, Ben. That was a good presentation. Um, I think that you know, the, the issue that Ben has talked with Brian Jimenez about enforcement and people that don't mow, there's a number of factors that affect that well, the legitimacy of that, really. Um, for one thing, the existing ordinance says nothing about, and the word is not even included in there, about mowing. It's not in the ordinance. And yet the city will come and mow as the solution. Um, what the ordinance says is 12 inches. Likewise, the ordinance refers to certain plants that Ben described that whole process. Um, and, you know, I will have to disagree with, with Kay that this is not a public health issue. It's a grand misconception has been perpetrated for, you know, half a century now that tall weeds and grass uh, will will cause the presence of vermin and, you know, fire hazards and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been fighting this issue since the 1980s. I was cited by the city of Lawrence for 13 years. I've had natural landscaping the whole time. The only fire I've had is a prescribed burn of my prairie. And I do that with, the, uh, with a permit from the fire department. There are no vermin in my place and never have been. Rats will, will go to places of garbage, not natural vegetation. 
Um, so a whole lot of this ordinance and you know other ordinances, other communities are based on that misconception. Um, the way that I would see us differentiate the city differentiating between somebody who is uh, you know who has a turf grass lawn, a chem lawn um, that doesn't take care of it. There's at least two things I can think of. First of all, is there the presence of the noxious weeds that are listed by the state of Kansas? If those weeds are on that site, they're in violation. The other one would be um, if it's you know, amply evident that they're neglecting it. If it can be shown that somebody is actively maintaining their landscape, then that's a clear sign that, you know, it's intentional, that it's not just, you know, weeds. It's something that somebody is, is intentionally growing. And, um, there, you know, it, what we're trying to get away from is that right now the default in everybody's aesthetic and everybody's legal viewpoint, the default is the chem lawn. And natural landscaping is the exception. It's not the norm. It's the weirdos. It's, you know, it's something that the city claims the power to decide if you are legitimate or not. That, that can't be. Natural landscaping in this ordinance has to be clearly stated on an equal footing with turf grass landscaping. We're not telling them that go away with turf grass landscaping, or for that matter, make turf grass landscaping illegal, although I would sure love to. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a legitimate if somebody wants turf grass landscaping, but it should be equally legitimate and on equal footing and stated as such that people can grow natural landscaping. And if somebody complains, the burden of proof is on the neighbor as to why it's a problem, not on the landscaper to prove that it's not a problem. So there, there are ways to, to word this and, and state the emphasis and the purpose and um, encouraging, you know, a section that encourages natural landscaping, that will help a lot too. So we're, we're thinking about a lot of this. We definitely are, and we're working on some wording. So I appreciate the feedback you all have given us. Um, and um, well, that's all I really need to say. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I think sometimes it seems like it takes a long time to do things from um, like a policy perspective and it really does and it can get really daunting but when you come up with a good effective policy that works and withstands challenges then that's going to last a lot longer than somebody who's going to come along and challenge that and and you know have it done away with so having that strong language having these conversations now early on to to develop a strong recommendation for the city commission and likelihood that they're going to pass it then I think that that works on us. And so I really appreciate the subcommittee taking the time to do that and getting public participation in that. Um, I think that's I think that's really beneficial for a strong recommendation from this board. So 
thank you so much for that presentation. Um, is there anything, anybody else that wanted to make comments? I, I have to uh, respectfully disagree with Michael. I've been in public health um, for over 20 years, and we have had significant situations where, and, and this is where, Michael, I, I agree with you, somebody that cares and is taking care of their property will not have the vermin and the mice and the fire issues. Somebody that is not, doesn't matter what kind of vegetation they have on their lawn. If, um, if they're not taking care of that situation, if they have junk and garbage on their property, it is a public health issue. Um, but there is distinct two different sets of categories of folks and um, we definitely need to encourage uh, native landscaping. So I, I think there's definitely ways to do this that would encourage that and provide the education um, to get more of that. Um, but also there has to be a way to deal with those recalcitrant landowners that do not deal with um, the tall grass and weeds and they are just tall grass and they are a menace um, to the neighborhood. And I've seen a fire erupt when um, and burn down several houses uh, when the area is not kept mowed or landscaped properly. With native grasses, you can do that and landscape properly and have a appropriate setback. So there's a way to deal with it with both situations. I absolutely agree with that. This is Ben Sykes, staff member. I, I really appreciate both of your comments. And I think that's the needle that we're trying to thread here, right? Is that, there, in fact, it's not just two kinds of people. It's, it's a spectrum, right? Of, of how do you write a stipulation, that, uh, you know, an ordinance that essentially encourages people to do native landscaping and take care of their lawn, but also sets some, some boundaries of limits that people can't, just do anything that they want on their property that that might have those impacts. Right now, I think there's pretty strong agreement that the ordinance as written, though, isn't dealing with that second part of the bound or that first part of the boundary. Right, is encouraging people to do the thing. It's just twelve as soon as it gets low, uh, taller than twelve inches. If your neighbor makes a complaint, then they'll come and cut it. You know, unless you have this this carve out that's not really clear. So, anyways, I really appreciate all the recommendations from you guys, and I think we'll keep those. But those public health issues, you know, that that element um, in mind when we're doing it. Thank you, everybody, for that comment, for that discussion. Um, look forward to hearing what you guys come up with um, as you move forward as a subcommittee. Um, so what's next on the agenda, Jasmine? I think it's the sustainability director report. Yes. So I'm going to share my screen. Uh, Jasmine, um, because we didn't have a report for the other committees, I do um, want to say that two committees that I'm on, uh, we are postponing our meetings until next week. We have had meetings. So um, the Energy Efficiency and Codes meeting, uh, Deb Ford is the SAB champion, and she's unable to attend, but we plan on having an, a meeting in the in the next week, we have we did have a meeting in June, and then also the clean energy and energy efficiency for city operations. We had a meeting in June, and um, I'm the SAB um, champion, so we plan on having a meeting in July. Uh, so I just wanted to mention those two things real quick. 
Thanks, Kay. Uh, Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Uh, this was a late add to the agenda, but there is um, a report on the website now that's linked. Uh, so I'm sharing my screen here so we can all see it. Um, there's a few things that I wanted to bring to your attention. The main thing is that uh, the development of the 2022 city budget is happening right now. Uh, the city commission was um, presented with the city manager's recommendation uh, at last night's city commission meeting. So um, I would encourage you to uh, just keep track of, of what's happening with that. Um, just as a summary, uh, in here I included the agenda report so you can see the PowerPoint presentation that was done that, that really gives you the high level summary of, of how that budget is developed. Um, this is different than how we've done budgeting in the city. This is the first time that the budget is really um, deliberately aligned with the city's strategic plan. So I know that you all have heard me talk about the strategic plan for over a year now. Um, so that was uh, adopted and there um, are now some key performance indicators as well as some strategies related to the five outcome areas that are listed here. Uh, and each of those five outcome areas has um, um, key performance indicators that are related to each of our six commitment areas, one of which is environmental sustainability. So, um, so the, the budget presented for 2022 um, is the first attempt at trying to align our resources with the things that we say, say we value and care about. Um, there are three things that are really core to the budget proposal. Um, one is housing security. That's become a really um, high community priority, and that's reflected in the strategic plan, and that is reflected in this 2022 budget. Um, the second is infrastructure. So we uh, are, there's a huge backlog of infrastructure and maintenance, and we know that that is not sustainable. Uh, and so trying to be more proactive and getting on top of the backlog of maintenance in terms of infrastructure is a high priority. And then third is employee compensation. Um, there was a study done back in 2018 that uh, issued some recommendations for uh, what the, the pay should be for city employees. And so this is the first step towards um, bringing those pay rates up to a competitive, um, a competitive level so that we can continue to have um, high-performing employees and retain our talent uh, at the city of Lawrence. So those are the three big core funding initiatives. And then I also wanted to bring your attention to eight new positions that uh, are added in the 22 budget, including one sustainability analyst. So um, the proposal is to add one member to our sustainability office, um, which would, if this was approved, it would uh, round us out to a director position a sustainability analyst and a sustainability and food system analyst and a part-time intern. Um, we currently have a grant position that's funding a position, but it's only through uh, the fall of 2022. So um, that would help alleviate some of the um, demand for uh, for our time currently, especially with the city uh, prioritizing prioritizing sustainability and in. in 
everything that it does, um, there's a lot of work to do. So we're hopeful that this gets funded and that we can um, start that position uh, early next year. Um, so I wanted to also give you some information about how to participate in the budget process. Uh, there are a few ways. One is a survey. So there is a, let's see if this works, a Lawrence Listen survey um, about the city manager's recommended budget that you can give feedback on. There is, um, there will be several, uh, well, there will be a, a public hearings. Um, and so there, August 31st is, the, that's when the public hearing is. You don't have to wait until August 31st to, to make your opinions known. So that's where that survey comes in. And if you have public comment related to the budget, you can start sending that in now. Um, so the, the deadline for budget approval is September 7th. So, uh, so that's when um, the budget for 2022 will be finalized. So, uh, so I wanted to pause there and see if there are questions about the budget development um, or anything related to budget. Jasmine, this is Michael Quatch here. Um, so we have time as a SAB board to review this on our own and then maybe come back with some recommendations, right, for the budget. Um, just in general, all of the city commission candidates are being asked about the uh, downtown plan, downtown expansion, and environmental issues, sustainability issues are major discussion for the next, um, for whoever's getting elected, elected for the next city commission. So I think that having some of those, um, you know, clear recommendation, especially in, in regards to the strategic plan, implementing the strategic plan and making sure that the street strategic plan adheres to sustainability uh, measurements is really important. And I think that's where we can make um, play a key role in that. So we can do that at our next meeting, right? Um, what's the timeline for that for the staff board? So the, the public hearing for the city commission is August 31st. Um, there's always the option of SAB members uh, sending in their comments individually. Uh, I have not been involved in a budget process where the board has issued a recommendation as a board, but there is time to do that. So if you were to uh, want to do that, that would be at the August, the August meeting, which is... August 11th, which is the next SAB meeting. So you would need to bring forth a recommendation and vote on it at that August meeting if you want it to be a part of the um, public comment for or recommendations related to the budget. This is Makapan. I just wanted to ask Jackie if um, you would recall ever the SAB board making recommendations to city commission regarding budget issues? No, the budget rarely came up in previous SAB discussion that I can remember. Okay, so, um, so I would like for the SAB members to review that budget and um, hopefully we can come back to the next meeting with recommendations or um, you know, maybe if individual SAB members want to send in their comments. Um, however, we would want to participate that in that process as a SAB board. I still think it's it's an important role that we can participate in and shouldn't participate in, um, especially with that being such a hot topic right now. 
Um, this is Ben Sykes, SAD board member. Jasmine, I just have uh, a question. Uh, so budgets are always forward-looking, right? They're, they're what we want to do our, our priorities on. I don't think I have the um, – I'd like more context around the sustainability choices we've made that affect the budget. So, for example, you often see in the paper, for example, right, that because the city of Lawrence is going to buy renewable energy, we're going to save X amount of dollars out of the budget. That context is really important, I think, for the city commission to understand how the sustainability choices impact the money that they have to make these new priorities. And I don't think I have that context. Is there, is there anywhere, somewhere, at least just around the sustainability choices, how those are impacting the amount of money on hand or how they might over the course of the next four or five years? So we have uh, Jasmine Moore, sustainability director. We have some information and data uh, related to um, a few things that are direct, directly related to like uh, cost savings. Um, so one is related to, like you said, the the wind energy purchase and the savings related to that. And then the second is the energy efficiency um, improvements that we've done over. T- uh, it, a couple years back um, to city facilities, and we're continuing to see savings on a year-over-year basis based on those improvements. Um, and so we are—we just got the 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 report of the third year of measurement and verification of those cost savings for utility costs. So, um, so those are the two that are easily accessible and would be really easy to pull together to say, you know, over the last five years, the, the savings related to sustainability um, driven decisions has yielded this amount in savings. This is Kate Johnson, SAB board member. That is really a great question, Ben, and is the reason why I wanted to see our subcommittee about city operations, because I know that many departments have already initiated uh, different activities and processes to make improvements in their sustainability, particularly to environmental sustainability. And, but it is really most important that it be quantified. And so we're just getting started on asking the different departments to come to our subcommittee and talk about that. And I still have to work with Jasmine on uh, getting that, but you're exactly right, Ben. We all need to understand where that uh, each department is so that we can do more. This is Mapaqua, um Chair. Um, I appreciate you guys having those conversations, Kay. Um, I've had conversations with uh, both sanitation workers and um, the firemen, and uh, they both agree that it would not be that difficult to incorporate sustainability into some of their equipment um, as they upgrade their equipment, into their practices, um, you know, and and that they would be willing to do that. It's not even like there's any resistance there to you know, adding that to part of their training. Um, it would create, you know, a top-notch um, trained workforce for the city of Lawrence. Um, if we could see that competitive pay reflected in that, um, that's something that I think easily that we, we as a SAP board can in, uh, inform the city commission about. And then if we had those numbers to back it up, would even be that much better. 
This is Jasmine, um, sustainability director. And, and that's where, uh, I also see a lot of potential, um, for one working directly with departments on their sustainability goals and helping to quantify that and measure progress. And so that's where, you know, having a sustainability analyst can help get us to that point. Um, uh, so that it's, easy to pull those numbers and to tell those uh, success stories um, because I, I agree that 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 could be really powerful and um, there are there's there's things happening in the organization that I don't even know about that are related to sustainability and cost savings and so having some extra capacity to help capture that uh, would be really valuable This is Ben Sykes. Um, so, Jasmine, would you be able to share the two documents that you were talking about, at least, around um, the city operations savings and the, um, the wind energy purchase? Yes. So it doesn't need to, in my mind, it doesn't also need to be a revolving thing, right? Like, if we make, if we have cost savings off of sustainability, you don't necessarily have to use it on sustainability initiatives, although that would be excellent. But it would be nice to say, well, these bridge improvements that we're doing actually are 5% funded by savings that we got out of making our, you know, energy systems more sustainable or something like that. That's a powerful argument since, you know, environmental sustainability over and over has had to make an economic argument to be viable. Uh, I think it's valuable to quantify that to be able to use it in that way. Anyway, if you could share this too, that'd be awesome. This is Michael Fletcher. Um, I appreciate you laying this out for us, Jasmine. Um, the, you know, some of the top concerns of the people and how the budget is uh, being reflected in that. Um, I think that one of the things that we can do as a staff board in, in both whether we decide to um, participate individually as staff members or as a board, um, is to take time to connect these things to environmental sustainability. Um, like Ben was saying, being able to rely on that language of, you know, this is how much money we've saved in the past, but, you know, directly tiring, tying environmental sustainability to, um, you know, uh, affordable housing in Lawrence. I mean, they, you know, the city commission would be more apt to listen to us, um, making it easy to, you know, have those, have that one conversation about two issues. Um, and I think that's, that's something that we as a board can, and can connect those ideas, can give them that language and, and make sure that, you know, these ideas are constantly intertwined, you know, environmental sustainability should be a part of every conversation. And so if we can somehow tie those two things together, educate city commission about why it's important, then, um, and we have that part of every conversation, then, you know, that's going to go a long way in, in having an informed elected body and then also for uh, public participation too, to, to get that knowledge as well. So that, you know, any education that we can provide in our recommendations, I think is going to go a long way in, in explaining, you know, why environmental sustainability is so important in the city of Lawrence. I know that city of Lawrence is really progressive and that they understand some of those concepts, but I still think that there's other concepts that they, they see those they see environmental sustainability not being a part of some of these conversations. And those are ways that we can insert ourselves and, and, and connect those easily for other people and then, you know, help them to see what we see. 
any other comments on budget before I move on? Okay, so the, the next thing um, I shared with you uh, last month um, is our food recovery project, and this was the grant that I was referring to earlier. Uh, so we were successful in getting a uh, USDA food food waste reduction grant and uh, able to hire uh, someone uh, on staff. And one of the elements of their work is to help um, recover food from farms in Douglas County and connect that food with um, Just Food, uh, the shelter, and other community partners that could use use that healthy food uh, to get to people who need it. So um, the the we, we call that gleaning, and that started back in March um, with just a few few picks, and it has ramped up over the last couple months. And um, I'm excited to share that we've harvested over 800 pounds of produce and been able to connect that with um, with our community partners so that they could get that out to community members. So. Um, we it, this is only made possible by volunteers so we uh, are always looking for volunteers to help us um, usually it only takes about an hour to go through um, and harvest uh, a farm um, for a particular crop and so um, we have a way to sign up to receive notification of our next gleaning and um, uh, there's an email here for anybody who wants to sign up just email Jamie at jhoffling at douglascounty.org and she can get you connected. Um, sometimes we, we don't know until you know a day ahead of time or a couple days ahead of time. Sometimes we know a week ahead of time but uh, oftentimes uh, we get a call from a farmer that says I got a call today that said, hey, we're going to be um, out of town next week and we have some tomatoes that could are ready for harvest, so could you come out? And so working with them to get something scheduled and then uh, notifying our volunteers about that. So, um, so that's really exciting uh, and um, just something that is, uh, can make your heart happy. Uh, so um, any questions about that before I move on? Jasmine, this is Makapwa. Um, how would you go about being a part of that volunteer team? And I have a specific question about that. Okay. Yeah. So we have a, uh, a way to sign up just on, um, I think it's Google Forms here. Let's click it and see what happens. Oh, it's going to take me away. Um, yeah, we just have this Google form where you put your name and, you know, do you want to get informed by text? When, when are you available? Um, there's a couple different ways to volunteers. One is to actually get down in the dirt. Um, another is if you have reliable transportation, we always need help like transporting the lettuce to uh, the location that needs it. Um, or there's other ways to volunteer. So, uh, so that's that. And um, then we can get you connected with the opportunities that match your interest level. Let me see. Did Makokwa? Yeah, there you go. Did okay. What was your specific question? Oh, maybe she had to step away for a moment. We'll come back to it if uh, when she's ready. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm in the wrong spot. Just bear with me, please. She's back. Oh, okay. Makokwa, did you have a question? Yes. 
Sorry, I, I don't know what happened with that. Um, the reason why I was asking that is because I, and I don't know. Um, so one of the ideas that I had, and this is just me personally, um, was um, how can we get people who are participating in, uh, um, uh, what do you call that, um, like public service hours, mm-hmm. um, especially with the municipal courts? Yep. How can we get them participating in this to where they can volunteer for this program and use it for some of their service hours? Um, would that be a difficult feat to do? Yeah, we've we've actually partnered with them before. Um, our office is actually housed uh, in a county facility that uh, is, you know, we're we're working in the same space as um, that people as people that coordinate the community service a- aspect. And so um, we've worked with them in the past. And the challenge is that, um, like I said, sometimes it's last minute, and so it's difficult to plan ahead uh, to get folks in there, but we have been in communication with them and, and have partnered with them in the past on things. This is Monster That's great, yeah. Um, however, we can, um, I just know that um, there's some people that even though it is last minute, you know, they haven't planned out their public service hours, so maybe they're, you know, rushing around. But if we can, you know, and I think this is where that we um, could rely on um, our, uh, like our social media people, our communications people to get that out um, would be really helpful. And obviously publicizing that type of program, um, you know, especially post-COVID, I think that's something that could really benefit the, a lot of the people in the city of Lawrence. Mm-hmm. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Great points. Um, we have publicized this on the uh the sustainability Facebook page um, and done a few features in the city publications and the county publications in both of their um, Facebook pages but we know there's always more to be done so um, so yeah we welcome we welcome opportunities to to partner to spread the word um, because uh, it's it's always uh, it, it's it's just a, a really positive experience to to be out there with other people that um, and really, it really only takes an hour of work to put in, and you're able to to really help. So, thanks for that comment. Okay, speaking of volunteers, uh, we also utilized volunteers for our electronic waste event last month. Um, last month, I didn't have numbers for you, but this month I do. So, at the event that we held on Saturday, June 5th, we collected almost 80,000 pounds of electronic waste from our community in Douglas County. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of material. Um, we saw over a thousand vehicles uh, come through, and uh, just to, to give you a sense, um, that is the amount of waste that usually we collect over a year. And so uh, in the last seven months, we've collected, oh, I put the numbers together, um, you know, twice that amount uh, in, in the last seven months because we, the last event that we had was in November. So, um, so there was a lot of pent-up demand to, to get electronics out of people's houses. Um, and we're thankful for everyone that participated because um, by coming to our event, you we're able to keep all this material out of the landfill, and uh, a lot of these um, 
a lot of these things have heavy metals in them and other things that are damaging to the environment and our our uh, groundwater and soils. And so um, we're, we're really appreciative of everyone that participated. Um, and uh, we appreciate your patience because when you try to get a thousand vehicles through uh, and unloading uh, cars, it takes a while. So um, we know there is a wait um, and we appreciate those that, that were patient with us. So any questions about e-waste? This has been Sykes. Thanks for you guys doing that. I know there's a lot of pent-up demand. Do you foresee that there could be value in having more events per year? Or I know it's hard to get volunteers and do it so many times, but would have you reached saturation, right? Are there people that are sitting there and they're like, I'm not going, I was going to do my e-waste, but I'm not going to because I don't want to sit in line for an hour to do it, right? Yeah, this is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Um, Yes, we know that it, you know, we used to do it uh, twice, so, twice a year. And uh, then we had some, some changes and it went uh, a couple years without having an event. And we really saw last November that um, people couldn't wait to, to get back and, and bring their waste out. Um, so we know there's definitely a demand for it. Um, the challenge is that it, it takes a significant amount of staff time to plan um, these events. And you wouldn't think so because it's just one day, but just the preparation and planning that, that goes into um, coordinating a large event like this takes time. And uh, in thinking about you know our capacity of our sustainability office, we only have so much. And so we're talking about um, uh, planning for an event next year. Um, but when it comes to thinking about twice a year events, we need more capacity to do that. So um, it's possible that with this added position that that would help uh, and help us do that, but um, we can't make any promises at this point. Jasmine, this is Makoqua. What What is the process? Where we Where's the e-waste going after this? Um, what kind of recycling methodologies are we using mm -hmm. once people recycle their e-waste to the sustainability office so uh, we partnered with a group called Technic Solutions and they're based out of Manhattan Kansas and they um, so they are uh, an, an electronic waste recycler like certified facility and so they believe it or not separate everything and um, uh, really break it down into um, the materials that you know some there's a lot of plastic in here and that you know doesn't need to be um, recycled in the same way that a hard drive would so first of all they um, they wipe all the data off of it um, so they like drill holes and do other things to make sure that no data um, uh, is compromised and then they really break it down into components and um, do everything that they can to recycle those in a way that's responsible. So like as we were unloading, you'll see picture, you know, the picture of all the, the, the computer towers here. We sorted, as we unloaded, we sorted it into computer towers. There's a whole different thing for phones. There's a whole different thing for laptops. You know, so we, um, they, the, the, the TVs are all here. So, so they, they, um, they sort it out and then 
for things that are, you know, there, there's some materials in there that are valuable metals in there, and they're able to strip those out in a way that they can, um, you know, get those out to market and resell. So is that helpful? Yes, thank you okay. so much, Jeff, for explaining that. Yeah. Okay, and then the last thing I wanted to share is that there's a Kansas Environmental Conference that's coming up in August. Uh, it's a two-day conference, it's, it's virtual, so and it's free. So I just wanted to share this in case anybody um, on SAB or anybody that's a member of the public would be interested in attending one or more sessions of this uh, event. It is a free event, it's Kansas-specific, um, and so uh, it would be an opportunity to, to learn more about um, what's going on in the state as it as it relates to the environment so oh and then there's one more thing that I wanted to share uh, as it relates to uh, transit so uh, last month you all heard about the um, the buses but I think you also heard a little bit about the transit facility and the transit hub um, and so the uh, recommendations for the hub both at Bob Billings and Iowa, as well as a downtown location, a transfer station, are going to be um, going before several advisory boards and ultimately the city commission in the next month. So there's an opportunity for public comment at each of those intervals. And um, I would just encourage you, if this is something that you are supportive of, to participate in that process. Um, so the first, and I, I will put these in the notes and um, uh, send out to you all as well. The first is on August 2nd, there's a multimodal transportation commission me meeting where they will be hearing about the recommendations. Uh, and so there's public comment there. Um, at the August 9th Public Transit Advisory Committee meeting, they will be hearing about those recommendations. And then um, the currently scheduled for August 17th City Commission meeting, they will be seeking feedback and approval to advance the project. So um, this is an opportunity to, to get involved and uh, um, talk about an issue that, that you care about, if this is an issue that you care about. Um, so wanted to share those opportunities um, as well. Um, this is Kay Johnson, a SAB uh, board member. My question is, you know, I thought we heard that um, the transit department was hiring a consultant that would help provide information about what is needed for their process and maybe for the facilities, but I don't know. Um, where is that in this process? And that couldn't have been done so fast, I wouldn't think, because I think we just talked about that last month. So this is Jasmine, sustainability director. Um, I'm trying to think. Exactly. Maybe it was two months ago. Yeah, exactly what um, that was in reference to. The information that will be considered at these meetings are related to the concept and design in terms of placement of the um, of the transit center in the downtown area because there were three or four different options for what location made sense for the downtown area. Um, so it would be basically be moving the the current 
um, transfer station, which is across the street from the library and just on the street, to a more intentional, like off-street situation where people can transfer buses in a safer way. Uh, and so getting giving the green light to move forward with that project. And then the second component is the, the transit hub, which is at the Bob Billings and 15th Street. Um, there were a couple different design options for that. And so that is the level of um, approval that they're looking forward is, is uh, from my understanding, so. So uh, this is Kay, SAP board member. So, you know, one of the things that, um, that I agree with Michael Allman on is that um, they don't need a lot of gasoline tanks for uh, electric buses. And that was the discussion that I think that's most important to me right now is that the facilities be designed such that they can handle electrification um, instead of using old technology. So I didn't know if that is gonna to be touched on uh, if you know that or not. This is Jasmine, sustainability director. I, I can ask um, Adam Weigel, who's the transit director, to, to get back with us on the specifics, but I know that that has come up in the discussions. And in general, the um, response has been that um, fueling of any sort, whether it be uh, electricity or diesel, like we're currently using, is most likely going to happen off site. Um, it, at the at a fueling location, there may be opportunities to you know um, for electric buses to to fuel up at the transfer station. But the for the most part, that's that's going to happen at the at the another facility. So um, I, that is like at Mississippi, like at the municipal services operations facility. They actually, the transit um, has a, a facility that's separate from that. I so, um, so I wanted to bring that up. And then also that transit is committed to trying not to buy any more diesel buses at all. So, uh, so I think these last two grants have really helped them accelerate progress towards that. Um, and so, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that it's in their intention to, um, you know, rotate those as as the light as they cycle through vehicles to move towards um, electrification as quickly as is reasonable uh, with their um, finances. But that's the direction that they're moving. So they're not building um, um, a fueling infrastructure at either of these sites. Uh, that's not part of their plan. Thank you. All right, thank you so much, Jasmine, for that report. Where are we at on the agenda now? So, let's see. Okay, now let me just reshare. Okay. Now we are at future agenda items. Do we have specific things listed or did people want to bring up, mention ideas on their own? This is Jasmine, sustainability director. I, I will just mention that um, uh, I have had conversations with the uh, 
the appointee to the Public Incentives Review Committee uh, that was recommended by the Sustainability Advisory Board, and they're prepared to come in August to the August meeting and discuss, you know, their experience and any feedback uh, to this group. So that that's the only thing that has a specific date that's on the current list of future agenda items. I think the one thing, oh, this is Makapa. I think the one thing that um, I would like to discuss sooner rather than later in our next board meeting is um, the role of the Sustainability Advisory Board in context of the strategic plan and county priorities. Um, it seems like there are, you know, the city of Lawrence is moving forward with the strategic plan. Um, you know, there's talk of a downtown expansion or downtown um, renovation of some sort. And I think that the more we're involved with that, the better. And then the more we can come up with specific recommendations as a board, the better and the more effective we are going to be as a board. Um, I know we've taken the time to set our priorities and we've taken the time to um, restructure our subcommittees to where they're, they're more effective. Um, I think I, just as a board, um, you know, making more of those recommendations is, is key to our role and, and obviously the goals of why we're on this board, every one of us. So, um, you know, somehow we, we need to be in those discussions. You know, we need to make and be making those recommendations, have the clear goals that we want as a board see implemented in the city of Lawrence. Um, and we all have different backgrounds that we can come at with in that. And so just relying on this board to bring your expertise and your knowledge and your, you know, the, the boldness of you making a recommendation and then as a board we can come up with some language for that but you know those ideas to come forward i i highly encourage this board to do on this um agenda i appreciate this is kate johnson sap board member i appreciate jasmine you getting um our um, pirc um coordinator to attend and give feedback to us um, but also i think we've we did um respond to a poll regarding the plastic bag and the bag issue that hasn't been discussed as a response and also the solar ready ordinance that we'd made recommendations. I think it's time for us to understand where the city commissioners are st stand on those. Um, that's been some time ago that those were submitted. Sorry, was that a specific question to Jasmine? I was yes. Oh, okay. And, uh, and I would really like to see that on the future agenda items. I will add it. This is Michael. Jasmine, if I'm correct, didn't the state legislature? I don't know if they presented a bill or passed a bill overriding municipalities putting plastic bag ordinances in place. This is Jasmine, sustainability director. It was introduced in the 2020 session, uh, but it did not, uh, it was not voted on. And it was not introduced in the 2021 session. Okay, so ideally we could put that forward 
put you know put that before our city commission then yes great thank you um this is Makakwa. um i know that the um what is it the indigenous community group or the indigenous community center is up and running and they have a board so maybe if we invite them to come and have a discussion with us and talk about their priorities and their mission um you know that would be one way we could work with um you know tribal people in, a, in the city of lawrence and come up with ways that we can work together with them and support common goals Anything else from the staff board members about future agenda items? Okay, this is Makakwa. I, I did want to make one more suggestion. Um, I would highly encourage this board to submit questions to um, city candidate forums especially regarding environmental sustainability you know they take those questions seriously and that's something that we want our incoming city commission to have on their mind that's an important part of the city of lawrence uh there's a lot of people asking individually about you know candidate issues and where they stand on environmental sustainability so the more that we pressure our city commission to answer those questions the more we make it a priority then i think that um you know that that will become more present in the minds of the incoming um, city commission that, that gets voted on in November. So Jasmine, I think the next one is member updates and then turn it over to public comment. Yes. This is Michael So Anybody have any member updates? This is usually the really positive part of the meetings. I started, oh, this is Sarah Chenoweth member. Um, as I said at the beginning, I started a new job last month. I don't know, I'm excited about that. <laughs> um, I'm an intern for the League of Kansas Municipalities. That's awesome, Sarah. Congratulations. Good luck. So this is Makakwa. Um, we are knee deep in city candidate issues. Like I said, the forums, we've participated in two forums, not asking questions. Um, there's going to be more forums coming up. Um, you know, I really would like to see more discussions about environmental sustainability, especially woven into the issues that are facing Lawrence, um, you know, affordable housing, uh, police reform. Um, you know, I recently talked about in one of the forums how um, when the when temperatures rise during the summertime, we see an increase in crime. When temperatures in the wintertime go down, we see more people going to jail. Um, um, just to have a, a warm place to stay. And so these are all issues that I think that we as a board can advise our city commission on and put in the minds of people um, as, you know, when you're looking at environmental sustainability that has a direct 
um, has a direct tie to to crime statistics in the city of Lawrence, um, which also has a direct link to um, police relations with the community, which goes to police reform. So, um, so yeah, the more that we can get involved in that conversation, the better. But um, things are going ahead, move full ahead. Super busy. Sorry for being late today at the meeting. <laughs> I do have one additional one. I participated in the uh, case state had a session on carbon sequestration and soil health. And that was really fantastic. And Ben, if I would had your direct email hat close, I would have sent it to you. But it was a free um, Saturday um, session with experts regarding uh, carbon sequestration sequestration and what is going on in Kansas. It was really good. And I think they were going to record it. So I will get the links and send it out to everybody. I really would encourage everybody to um, watch that. It was three or four hours, but it was definitely really good. They had fantastic speakers. Anybody else have any member updates? Do we see anybody raising their hand, Jasmine? Um, not for member updates, but I think that Michael would like to participate in public comment. All right, well, let's turn it over to public comment. Oh, yeah. Hi, once again, Michael Allman. And actually, this is not general public comment. I, I wanted to speak on Jasmine's director's report, but she didn't take any public comment. So is that okay that I speak to that? Yes. Yeah, that's perfect, Michael. Oh, okay, great. Um, specifically, the um, sustainability, sustainability analyst position, this is a really big deal as far as I'm concerned, and I, I hope you appreciate it as much. Um, as you know, Jasmine's uh, funding is split between the city and the county, and Therefore, her workload is not entirely for the city of Lawrence. Some of it's for the county too. Whereas this position is entirely funded by the city. So it's 100% focused on city issues, which this board addresses. Um, the way that you know, after last night's city commission meeting, um, let me see, I'm sorry, here it is. Uh, the way that the mayor put it is, uh, that the sustainability analyst will help Jasmine move some of these projects forward, in particular, the climate plan. So keep in mind that some of these things have been backlogged and, um, you know, the climate plan is probably the most important one. It, it also is on the 2022 planning department work plan. Um, so this person and Jasmine and the planning office, from what I understand now, you know, will take that and, and really give it a push. So um, as far as the budget goes, I'd strongly recommend, you know, maybe individuals or the board to make a comment about funding that position. Um, since last night's recommended budget by the city manager, um, now the horse trading is going on, as they say, you know, people 
have their ideas of what they like in the budget and what they don't, and what they want to delete from the budget and what they want to substitute in the budget. And that position isn't necessarily funded yet. It's only funded you know, when they when they make their decision at the end of August. And as we approach the August 31st budget hearing, the budget gets uh, tighter and tighter and more firm in place. So your comments, the earlier on, the better. Um, the July 20th, uh, well, let's see, July 26th, the recommended budget goes to the Planning Commission. August 16th, the budget notice is put in the Lawrence Journal World for publication. Um, at that point, it's pretty much set in stone. So, I mean, the earlier you make your comments, the better. Um, and one final thing about the budget, I liked your discussion about transit and electrification and all that. Um, if you look at the capital improvement plan in the budget, that's where a huge amount of city funding, maybe half of the city funding is going. And there's a big section in the capital improvement plan of vehicle replacement plan. Every year, there are dozens and dozens of vehicles that they replace. Um, generally, the vehicles are replaced on a 12 to 15 year cycle, you know, when they serve their purpose. Well, that, that transition should be happening that particularly like they replace a number of police cars every year. They should be replacing them with electric Teslas, which are much faster and the safest car on the road. I mean, so maybe you could address something about replacing the vehicles in that capital improvement plan with electrified electric vehicles too. Um, so there, that's, that's about the budget and that's what I wanted to say. So thank you again for your work. Thank you so much, Michael, for that feedback. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. Um, I wish the city of Lawrence could afford Teslas. That would be ideal. But, <laughs> you know, shoot for the stars, land on the moon, right? So <laughs> thank you so much for your feedback. And those are great suggestions. Um, hopefully we can, as a board, address, you know, make some of those suggestions as we move forward with the budget. And I hope that's what I, I mean, obviously, that's that's the goals that I want to see happen with the board, too. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. Um, anything else, Jasmine, before we adjourn? Nope. I'm assuming that's a no. I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. Does anybody else have any last comments from the board? Any more public comments, Jasmine? No. Okay. All right. Well, then I think that we adjourn this meeting. Thank you, everybody, for coming, for showing up. Once again, I apologize for being late. Um, and yes, I would encourage all board members to review the budget um, so that maybe we can, you know, look at making a re recommendation um, at the next meeting. Thank you so much.